Welcome to Focused on Christ, where we are passionate about exalting Christ and equipping the church. I'm your host, Mike Crump, here with Pastor Nathan Smith. And for those who may be new to the podcast, Nathan is the senior pastor at Heritage Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And uh, Nathan, how long have you been serving as senior pastor? Uh, about 11 years. Wow. I've been on uh, pastor here since 2008. Okay. Uh, about 11 years as senior pastor. All right. What do you love most about the local church? Just, and we can think in broad sense yeah, of the local church. Yeah. yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is Mike Crump. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, when I think about the church. Oh, my land. I think of Mike. <laughs> and I can't wait to see him Sunday morning. <laughs> And to sit there in the services and hear that voice. Okay, five right. minutes till the service begins. Two minutes. That's till a the sore service. spot. I, I rather not talk about this right now. Uh, <laughs> okay. Thanks, Nathan. You're, you're, I appreciate you're, you're that. You're welcome. You're this welcome. concludes focused on Christ for today. Oh man, I'm just, I'm just trying to work on my yeah. my resolution that we well, talked about last week with regards. I to feel loved. Being kinder to Pastor Mike. I feel and, seen. Thank you so much. <laughs> Well, you know, in all joking, but at the same time, very seriously, um, the the joy of being able to come Mm -hmm. and to interact with brothers and sisters, um, but in a relationship and in a community that we share Mm. in common covenant with Christ. So so there's something mysterious and beautiful about that. Yeah. I can read God's word yep. and I can pray to Jesus and actually learn about him and even sing to him. Yeah. By myself. Yeah. But there is a beautiful mystery and glory of being able to share that covenant relationship and that spirit bond mm. with other redeemed brothers and sisters. Amen. So what do I love about the church? Um, I really do love those relationships and that community that exists. Yeah. Not at all times equally because sometimes the community and the relationships are hard. Yeah. But principally, yes, I love that about the church. Yeah. It, it, there is something profound in the relationships found through Christ. Yes. Those where there is maybe from a social standpoint, there's no you know connection. But in Christ, there is a deep, profound, eternal connection uh, to brothers and sisters of the faith. And it's uh, such a joy to spend time with them. What do you think most people misunderstand about the church? We, we live in a world where you say church, and a hundred different people will have a hundred different perceptions of the church. Um, what do you think is some of the some of the more misunderstood things about what the church is? Uh, there, there's probably a broad range of answers to that. Yeah. Um, so there's a book here that's called The Loveliest Place, The Beauty and the Glory of the Church by Dustin Bengay. Mm-hmm. And actually I'll show it here on the, for those watching the podcast, The Loveliest Place. Um, what do they most misunderstand about the church? I'm not sure that people would describe the church as the loveliest place. Mm. Uh, I think that they would describe it as a place where maybe they feel insecurity. Mm. They feel alone on Sundays coming. Uh, people uh, feel maybe even conflict mm. or hurts. Yeah. Um, it calls to mind talking with an individual this past week um, with deep church hurts. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that tends to override a lot of people's experiences. Yeah. Because the, the deeper the covenant you share with someone, when that covenant is violated, the more hurtful it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the greatest example is in marriage is probably the, the, the most significant covenant that mm-hmm. we exist as human beings. And when that covenant is breached, uh, th- th- there's, there's no hurt like that, okay? Yeah. 
Well, the, the, the church covenant, in other words, we're, a co- we're covenant together as people in relationship with Christ, who are brothers and sisters in Christ, people who we're supposed to trust and love and, mm-hmm. and to open ourselves up in vulnerability. And when that covenant relationship is breached, there are scars in the church like no other. Yeah. And so what do I think most people misunderstand about the church? I don't know if they see it as intrinsically lovely because it is overshadowed by so many negative experiences. Gotcha. And and I think this goes back a little bit to what we talked about last week in that when you only understand the church by way of your experience and Mm -hmm. not by the biblical aspects of the church, the theological realities of the church, it does tend to overpower everything. Yes. And so it is hard to see the church as lovely when all you know or been overshadowed by that hurt. And yeah. if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably been bit by a few sheep. Uh, probably. Yeah. And occasionally, and my apologies to those out there on behalf of the church, but you may have been bit by an under-shepherd, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the pastor. You yeah, know, I, it's true. It, it happens. And if you're, like you said, if you're in the church long enough, you're going to have these experiences. Yeah. Hopefully, if you're in the church long enough, and if it's a healthy church, mm-hmm. you're also going to see some beauty and glory yes. in there, too. Yes. But we also realize that Satan's full-on onslaught, like his unleashed opposition, is not at the White House or in Congress. Mm. It is in the church. Yeah. Like that absorbs the full primary front of his actions to divide, hurt, discourage, dilute, distract. We need to understand that. Yeah, and that that is crucial for us to understand so we do not enter the church naive. Yes. Now, speaking of the church, um, last week we touched on the power and authority of God. Um, We talked about how that impacts the church and our understanding of God's uh, oversight of the church and power through it. Let's ask the general question, what is the church? I mean, we talk about the church. It's something that's common language. Mm. What is it? The church is the gathering of the redeemed in a local expression. Okay. The gathering of the redeemed in a local expression. And, and here's why I say that, because uh, there there is the Catholic church. And when I mean Catholic, I mean small Catholic, mm-hmm. the, the universal church, the mm-hmm. churches, the, the all believers, all the world at all time. Yeah. Um, that is a true statement. But overwhelmingly, the New Testament discusses the church in a local context. Yes. So we have the church in Rome, you have the church in Galatia, you have the church in Colossae, in Ephesus. It's almost always the church is understood as a local expression mm-hmm. of the gathering of the redeemed. So I think that it's very important to understand the church in that type of context. It's not it's not a an ethereal, you know, existentially mm-hmm. obtuse mm-hmm. organization and the grand catholicity. You know, I'm already losing you, right? Because well, I, I blacked out there. For well, a because because some people do say that. Like I, I talked yeah. to someone this morning in Starbucks who yeah. said, uh, "I don't believe in the corporate church." Mm. Uh, you know, I I I, I, I'm, I can do church anywhere. Yep, yep. And I really helped to challenge and encourage this individual I just met. Um, so I think that when we when we when we consider the church, it's very important to anchor that in a local setting because mm-hmm. that's what the New Testament does, and that's how we understand it. All right, so real people, real place, real time. So let's 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 think through this a little bit. So the the technical name for church or, or the the Greek we see ecclesia, mm-hmm. often spoken of as the called out ones. Yes. So ek out of klesia or from the kaleo to call out. Okay. So I mean we are set apart. 
called out of death into life, called out of orphanhood into adoption in Christ, called out of sin into godliness. Yes. And so that would basically speak of, as you were talking about, the universal, yes. right? All, all those who are believers mm-hmm. on the earth at this time are ecclesia. We've been called out in Christ. But the church, it is that, but it's not just that. Mm-hmm. It is an assembly. It is a coming together. Now, I think where that confusion sometimes comes is that we rightly say the church is not a building. The church is a people, but those people often gather in a building, right? (laughs) There are constructs that help govern and identify the church. That is true. Yeah. And so it's important to understand that it, and I love the way you put it. It's not some ethereal thing that I'm just connected to this broad, you know, thing that's floating out in space. There is a local congregation mm-hmm. that I belong to. Mm-hmm. Why is it important for me to belong to a local congregation? Oh man, we could spend the next hour and a half just talking to that. But the bottom line is this: is that if I can to the brass tacks. Yeah, yeah. Just you cannot be fully in Christ as you are supposed to be by yourself. You cannot Mm. glorify God fully by yourself. Mm. You were not designed to bear the image of Christ by yourself. Yeah. You were designed as a human being. You were designed even in your salvation, in your spiritual giftings. You are designed with the Holy Spirit living within you Mm -hmm. to be connected to the Holy Spirit living with others. Yeah. So you cannot do that alone. Now, in some extreme cases, if there is no local assembly, then of course you can do that. But God's heart is always, always that the expression of the believer is in a plurality. Yeah. Always. There's always a plurality of community that that is central even to our identity. And I think that... The, the necessity for community is so contrary to our the zeitgeist of Western culture. Of the individual me, my selfie, yes. self-promotion. I, I am else. enough in myself. I find all purpose and meaning within myself. I define my own life, my own purpose, my own future, and I will accomplish it all by my own means. Yes. And God comes along and says, no, I have established that you come to me in faith, and now you are going to be part of a family of believers, a body of Christ, Mm -hmm. and you are going to be a church set apart for me. Um, Maybe we can look at how the church began to kind of give us a better picture of what's going on here. Um, In Matthew 16, we see Jesus coming to Peter. He says, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. There's a lot happening in this Mm -hmm. section of Scripture. Can you help us understand what is happening here? Um, What is Jesus doing with Peter, and how does that... Well, first, first we want to avoid an interpretive pitfall. Okay. And that is because he says church here for the first time, mm-hmm. that in the mind of the Jew, we would say, oh, this is something new. Yeah. Like this is something that we've never heard. This is the first time church is mentioned. Yeah. Well, when we talk about ecclesia being called out once mm-hmm. in, that, in, in that true meaning, a community of called out ones. Yeah. 
that would have sounded very familiar to the Jew. Yeah. Because what was the nation of Israel? Among all the other nations, I called you out, yeah. says God in the book of Deuteronomy. Yeah. When he talks to Moses or to Abraham, out of all the peoples, I've selected you, Abraham, to be the father of many nations. Mm. The concept of being a, a called out people is not unfamiliar. Yes. The fact that Jesus is now making a continuity statement mm-hmm. that that called out people is now going to be channeled through what I'm doing through you, mm. you, my disciples, you, my disciples who name specifically me mm-hmm. as the Messiah, as the Christ. And so the continuity of the Israel identity now being transferred into and through Christ himself. Yeah is a profound shift because it is no longer under the law. Now this community is not being gathered under the law. Mm. This community is being gathered under a person who we now know as Jesus Christ. Yeah. So the, the, the statement here is profound. Mm. Um, it also reorients our thinking about where we stand in the line of blessing that true Israel, true Ab- true sons and daughters of Abraham mm-hmm. are actually believers in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I, I want to be make a caveat. I'm not yes. making a statement eschatologically that God does not have purposes for Israel and its restoration. Yes. There's some mystery there and some possibilities, but I'm talking theologically mm-hmm. that when we look at the continuity of our faith, it stands in direct context of the Israelite people. Gotcha. So when, when Christ died, he suffered on the cross, debt was paid for those who would believe, rose again, establishing eternal life, satisfying the wrath of God. And so he has done that for the ecclesia, right, for Mm -hmm. those who would be called out. And now he's making a transformation of that community. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's transitioning from the Jewish community under Abraham and now pointing to a new community that is built under Christ. Yes. Yeah. He's establishing a new covenant and the, the new, the, the new rules under which that community will live. Yeah. You have to remember the community of the old Testament, the, um, even the, the Septuagint did use this word ecclesia in Mm -hmm. terms of referencing the, the old Testament people, but that community was under the covenant of the Mosaic law. Mm -hmm. So here Jesus is reestablishing the ecclesia, but this ecclesia is under the covenant of Christ, mm. the covenant of Christ uh, facilitated and, and accomplished on the cross. So do we see in this passage, do we see elements of kind of how the church or the authority of the church and how it is to operate at all? I mean, because we see these mm. keys of the kingdom, mm. and then we see this binding and loosing. What What is happening here? How can we best, because I've heard this abused in many ways and misunderstood. So how, how can we best understand what's happening there? Well, there there's a ton here. We're not going to get into all of it, yeah. but here's some of the, the, the high-level things. What you find in this verse are some of the foundations for the Roman Catholic Church and, and papal authority, mm-hmm. where they mm-hmm. believe there's the divine succession of authority that's yep. given to a specific person, because they interpret that Jesus gave that to Peter and only Peter yeah. specifically. So that, that's a different conversation. I don't think that's what Jesus is doing. I do think Peter is representative, mm-hmm. um, and I think that there is apostolic authority that is being communicated here, but not papal authority yeah. as we understand it. Yeah. Okay, separate conversation. Other things that we have going on here, though, is Jesus is assuming personal responsibility for the building and the conquering 
of hell by the church. Mm. And, and even the, the, the posture here of the, that hell is the one on the defensive. Yeah. The gates of hell should not prevail against it. It's an image of, of an attacking army um, storming the gates. And in this case, it's the church storming the gates of hell mm. versus the church hunkering down in our foxhole, hope, yep. waiting for Jesus to return. It's yeah. a different mindset. Um, so when we look at this passage, we see Jesus asserting himself as the head of this new ecclesia, this mm-hmm. new gathered people, and that it will not be defeated. It will be victorious. Yeah. Again, I'm not making an eschatological point, mm-hmm. um, meaning the last times that um, that uh, that the church is going to be victorious over culture and we're going to win the, the culture wars. I think that's a dangerous yeah. tact. But the reason I'm giving all these caveats is because this verse has so many foundations of different theological systems wrapped in it. Yeah. So we have to stick with the big meta levels at the moment to make sure we're getting the big picture. Yes. And we are going to be, as we continue on in this series this year, um, we are going to be diving into some of these aspects. So uh, for those who are really wanting to learn more about this, know that we are going to cover a lot of these things later on. Um, so do we just, do we see local churches in the scriptures? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the matter of fact, I would say the scriptures don't know anything except a local church. Yeah. I mean, the constant instruction is appoint elders in every town mm. um, that we have throughout the book of Acts. We see local churches being established. The letters of the New Testament, Romans, Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes, grief, Ephesians, <laughs> Colossians, <laughs> Philippians, these are cities, lo- specific locales to specific people. Yeah. Those are the local churches. And we see God operating in his push at the storming of the gates of hell, that, that moving the gospel message, we see it happening through the conduit of the local church. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are people like your Paul and your Barnabas and that, but they are being sent and charged from the church to go outward. And so we see it all happening within that context, which is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. So one of the quotes... Sorry, one, one, yeah, one, yeah, yeah. one of the things that's really beautiful about that is the church's ability to come into and be a part of that culture without sacrificing any of its identity. Mm. So the culture, the the, the church truly becomes an expression of Christ across um, Asia, across the Middle East, across the Greco-Roman world, which further emphasizes that the church is for all peoples and all languages and all ethnicities, this very all-encompassing vision. I love that. I love that. In, uh, in an article uh, from Nine Marks on what is the church, I found this quote to be quite interesting. Um, and as we come to a close, I just want to share this. He says, We need to be part of a church, a real church, a church to which we are accountable, a church that knows us, a church that can remove us from their midst if we start living like the devil while still calling ourselves a Christian, a church where we'll participate and serve and love and be an integral part of the body that's uh, Chris Hutchinson and uh, Nine Marks, and we'll put a link to that article if you would like to read it uh, in the show notes. Why is it so hard for many people to be part of a church like that? Mm. Because that that is that is all consuming in many ways, right? I'm involved. I'm also being account being held accountable, and that seems un- unnerving in some in some ways. I, I think that we're nervous to hand over our autonomy. Mm. I mean, I think that we like to be in charge. We like to be our own authority. We like to be able to have the ability to join and to resign whenever we want according to our desires. Like a gym membership. Like a gym membership. Yeah. 
Or like all of these streaming memberships, you know, Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. Join and cancel at any I time. I like what they're offering right now, but I'm, once I'm done watching that, I'm done. When I'm done with that series, I'm going to cancel my membership. Yep. And yep. that is a mindset that is frankly bound up in the human psyche. Mm. To be put ourselves under accountability and authority mm-hmm. where we there are real consequences to decisions and um, people that are going to keep us accountable to the to holiness, uh, we would rather have a low commitment involvement yeah. uh, to a church. And this is one of those things that if you join Heritage, um, anybody is welcome. Anybody can come. But we're always encouraging people, pursue membership, pursue yeah. membership. And when we talk about membership, yeah. the covenant relationship with the church of becoming a member at Heritage, it's a step up. It's yeah. a higher calling. It's not just for you to belong. Mm-hmm. It's for you to be accountable to the church and for you to help keep the church accountable itself. Yes. There is a deeper commitment of service, of expectation, of financial giving, of service and time. And that's not something to check off the box mm-hmm. of Christianity, but rather to grow. These are instrumentalities by which our faith can grow and be refined. Yeah. It's absolutely critical. If you see the church as God's gracious means for our discipleship and growth, it transforms how you interact with the church mm-hmm. and how you perceive the church. And it may be, and this it may be that God puts you with some sandpaper people in <laughs> inside the church because he is wanting to exactly. refine you. Like what I'm doing in this podcast right now. Man. <laughs> this concludes today's episode. <laughs> Oh, man. I hope everybody knows how much I love you. Oh, I appreciate that, Nathan. Sandpiper Mike. Uh, Sandpiper? Sandpiper? Sandpiper. (laughs) And we have lost all control. I am so sorry. I interrupted your profound That's fine. It was was probably going to bring revival in our land, but I I forgot what I was going to say now. Oh, man. So finally, to to close out, out, um, what would you say to that person who really sees no purpose for being part of the local church? Uh, Well... Confess and be obedient. Mm. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's a reality, though. I, That's I'm, true. I'm not being very blunt. In, yeah. in, in all love to you, if you do not see the church as important and you're not involved in it, you are actually living in disobedience. Yeah. And, and, that, uh, and that's a very direct, but I think true statement. I think that's very helpful because hopefully that will shock our senses a little bit because it's easy to kind of fall into, well, Church, again, is that optional thing. But when you say, this is a matter of obedience unto the Lord, mm-hmm. it changes the perspective. It does. And so. when you come in contact with those sandpaper people, it's an opportunity to be refined by them. But it's an opportunity that you might be able yes. to be used to ground them down so that they can look more like Christ. Yes. We need each other. We do. We need each other. Well, thank you, Nathan. I need you, Mike. Oh, thank <laughs> thank you. And thank you all for listening and enduring through the... <laughs> focused on Christ. (laughs) We pray you'll come back next week as we consider Christ's design for the church. We'll also look at popular elements of modern-day churches Mm -hmm. as a way of helping us think critically about the purpose of the local body. If you've been encouraged by this episode, we would encourage you to share it with somebody else and maybe give us a five-star rating on wherever you may be listening to it. If you have questions, email us at questions at focusedonchrist.com or you can visit us online at focusedonchrist.com. 